Maybe, maybe we'll never play that game again. We got like the five best players ever. That was pretty incredible. Okay. September. Still taking that box. You guys having a good week? Second, what is second, third week is first, second week? Second? It's been a short week, had an MLK day on Monday. That was nice. And, uh, yeah. Okay. So September 16th, 2017. About a year and a half ago, my little daughter, Scout, came into this world. So, uh, she was born, and I think you're in a hotel, or hotel, hospital, for, uh, it's like a hotel. <laughs> so we were in the hospital for like, what, 48 hours after birth? And, and everybody's usually like, man, I was so excited to go home, sleep in my own bed, and I'm like, no, let's stay at the hospital as long as we can, because there's nurses here to help us because we don't know what we're doing. Uh, but we went home. And, because uh, they, they kind of kick you out. They're like, you can't stay here. Uh, so we go home, and it's like the first or second night that we're home. So Scout's like four days old. And we face a big trial. You see, she had been sleeping and one of these sleep sack things, they're kind of like, uh, does everybody know what those are? They're, it's kind of like a swaddling thing so they feel comfortable. And it was this thing that it zipped up. And she loved, she slept really good in this one. And, uh, but she made a mess of that one. If you can go with me on that, I won't explain it. But that one was, that one was now out of commission. And, uh, we had to go to a different one, but we had only had one of that kind, so no big deal. We got a ton of other sleep sacks. They're different styles, but it's going to be perfectly fine, right? So we put her in the other one. No bueno. She's crying. She's screaming her head off, and we're like, oh, Jesus, what's going on? It's like 2 in the morning. Bethany and I are, like, so sleep-deprived. You know, it's been four days. We're like, what are we doing? She's crying. We can't get her to chill out, and she's in this this sorry sleep sack, and we're like, man, we need one like that, but we only had one. So we like throw it in the washer, we're like, okay, let's at least get it ready for tomorrow. But also, I wanna overcome this trial, right? So I pull out my phone, I'm a fixer, I fix problems, I love to fix things, and what do I do? I pull out my phone, I open up my Amazon app, and I buy two of those other suckers that we had just had at two in the morning. And uh, I'm a Prime member, so I'm gonna get it in two days, right? But this is a big deal. And I wanna overcome this as soon as possible. So I pay that $3.99 extra for that one day delivery. Oh yeah. And back probably didn't really need to buy it but you know what it was 2 30 in the morning and she was screaming and I was like this is gonna fix the problem <laughs> not really but you know anyways so tonight we're gonna talk about overcoming trials so uh, we are continuing in our study of the book of James 
And so let's open up our Bibles, and we're going to read chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 2 and read through to uh, verse 12. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it would be it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its feather, its flowers falls, and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let's just open up and pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity uh, to meet in this room, Lord, on this campus, and to just uh, look to you, Jesus, the great freedom and privilege that we have here. Jesus, I pray that you would just open our hearts, Lord, to your word, I pray that you would speak through me and that you would open ears to hear what you have to say tonight, Lord Jesus. Let your Holy Spirit speak through me, Lord. Continue your wonderful name, we pray. Amen. All right. So we're going to look at four imperative verbs in this passage that we just read and, and, and how it affects if we allow these these. These characters, they're kind of, they're, they're verbs, but there's also like a character trait that is attached to it. And if we can grow in the Lord in these areas, I really do feel like we can become victorious when we face trials. Okay? And trials that are a little more serious than my story. Um, so we're going to look at the first one. The first verb is count. And the character trait is a joyful attitude. And this comes out of verse 2. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Outlook determines outcome. And attitude determines action. It's not if we face trials, but when we face trials trials. Unfortunately, we can't play what are the odds with God, right? We can't be like, Lord, one in ten that I go through this thing. The Lord's like, no, one in one. You're doing it. You're going through the trial, right? So we must expect that they're going to come. And the other thing in this verse is that it says that there are various kinds of, of trials. You see, we live in a world that is falling due to sin, and there's consequences that come with our choices 
And there's also things that happen in our lives that are completely out of our control. And, and we face the various different kinds of trials. We face sickness, we face disappointment, we face tragedies and loss, we may face financial hardship, relational difficulties, just various different kinds of trials, temptations. So what are we to make of these trials? What are we supposed to learn during these things? And why is James saying that we should have a joyful attitude during them? If we were, say we had an artist up here on stage and he had a canvas and he was painting, or her, could be either, and say about halfway through, you look at it and you're like, what is he painting, right? Oftentimes, for a good while, while an artist is working, it is hard to make out what he's doing. It may look kind of ugly, it may be obscure, you're like, what's he doing? But the key is that you can't judge the artist in that moment. You have to trust the fact that the artist has a final masterpiece in mind. And that he is going to continue to work and continue to paint until he gets what he's looking for. But if you ju judge him in the moment, you're like, that guy's a terrible painter, right? And it's the same with the Lord. We can't judge the Lord based on our current situations, or our current struggles, or maybe our current lack of character that we feel like we have in our hearts that we wish we could overcome certain things. But we must trust and know that He is doing the work in us and that He sees something in the future in us that He's trying to take us there. And He's trying to create a masterpiece in our own lives. So, so this word count, it's a financial term. It, it means to evaluate. I'm sure we got some financial finance majors in the house. Uh, <laughs> we all evaluate our priorities. We all evaluate our goals in life. And, and we must evaluate the trials that we go through in the light of what God is going to do through that trial for us. You see, it's it's not that in the event, it's not that the event, or the trial that we're going through, it's a tr it's a joyful thing that we're going through this trial. No trial is joyful. You're like, wow, I got into a wreck today. This really sucks. Thank you, Jesus. I got into a wreck, right? That's not what he means. It's not like you're joyful. The, tri the trial makes you joyful, but that you remain joyful through the trial. And you know that the Lord will work all things together for the good of those that love him. That's, that's a scripture reference. So if we value comfort more than character, trials will upset us. If we value material and physical things over spiritual, we will not be able to count it as joy because we won't see the value of that in our life. And if we only live in the present and not look to the future, trials will make us bitter and not better. So there's a guy in the Old Testament. Uh, his name is Job. Has everybody heard of Job? Sally just kind of talked about him a little bit. Uh, he faced some incredible trials. He lost everything, lost his family, lost everything. And 
he he wrestled through that. It wasn't like he was like, all right, thank you, Jesus. He took all my stuff away, you know. But he really, he fought, he wrestled, he questioned, and he walked through it with the Lord, and it was hard. But he had a right and joyful outlook through the trials. Job 23.10 says, But he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. So there's a story of two men that were in a hospital. Both of them had terminal diseases. You know, they were soon to pass. One of them was in a room with a window, and the other guy was in a room on the inside of the hospital and didn't have a window. And every day they would get the opportunity to hang out together and they would talk. And the guy who had the window, with great joy, would just talk about all the things that he could see out of his window. He would, he would talk about how uh, the kids were playing in the park and how the ice cream vendor was selling ice cream and other frozen goodies. And, uh, and just seeing families enjoy their time walking around the park. And it brought, this brought him great joy. And the other man started to get very resentful because he didn't have that same opportunity. He didn't have that window in his room. And one day the man that had the window view, he died. And the other man requested that he get moved to the other room so he could have that window so that he could look out and have the joy that this man had. And he was granted his wish. And when he got into the room, he got the surprise of his life as he gazed out into the window and saw that it was a blank, gray, concrete wall. You see, it was his perspective that brought him great joy during a difficult time. Our outlook determines the outcome. If we are to end the trial with joy, we must begin it with joy. So let us have a joyful attitude during the trials. So the second imperative verb that we're going to look at is known. And the character trait with that is an understanding mind. Verse, this, this comes from verse 3. It says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. You see, we have a joyful attitude during our trials because it is for our benefit and it produces steadfastness in our life. And that word steadfastness is something we don't say. And what that means is that you are unwavering, that you are like cemented in the ground and that you have consistency, that you are consistent. And there are three things that we need to know about our trials and how they make us better. So the first one is that faith is always tested. There's so many stories in the Bible of men and women who are tested by the Lord so that their faith in him can grow. There's a, there's a man in the Old Testament, his name is Abraham, and he lived a life, he was called to live a life of faith. And he went through test after test in order so that his faith would continue to increase. And he became the father, he's like the, the main patriarch of, of the people of Israel. But he had to learn 
how to be patient. He waited a really long time for the promise of the Lord to come through in his life. He, he had to learn trust. He had to learn obedience. And all these things added to his faith. You see, God allows trials in our lives so that he can bring the best out in us. But the enemy, on the flip side, is trying to use those things to destroy us. So the second thing is that trials work out, work for us, not against us. So this word testing, in the Greek, it means to prove. And there's kind of a, like if you read the, the uh, concordances and stuff, they talk about how this word prove, the, the way that they would explain it is to say somebody found like a big old chunk of gold. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to know how, like, how legit is this gold. So what they would do is they would take a very, very, very small piece of this gold, almost worthless because it's so small. And what they, do, what they would do is they would take it to the guy, you know, like the blacksmith or whatever they were called. I don't know what they were called. Um, and what they would do is they would melt this piece of gold down in a crucible. And they would be able to test it for the impurities and all that kind of stuff. But basically, it was the proving of that piece of gold. But the thing that was important, it wasn't, the most important part was the approval of that very small, almost worthless piece of gold. Because if that worthless piece of gold was actually worth something, then that means the rest that this guy has is worth, you know, a lot. So it was, it was approving of, of the, the bigger piece, and it was the approval that validated the rest. So our trials that we go through, they, they begin to produce something in us, and it produces more faith, and it, and it allows us to prove our faith in the Lord. And we must trust him with our life and our future self and knowing that he is producing more and more things in us. And then the last one is that trials rightly help us to mature. He wants us to mature, but he wants, he wants us to mature, but what does he want to produce in us? He wants to produce patience, Endurance. He wants us to have the ability to go through the tough times. And I think patience is a really big deal. And it's really hard for us to understand because we live in such an instant gratification world. I can buy two sleep sacks and get it to here tomorrow because my baby's crying like crazy, right? Or you can literally Google something and know the information about anything in this, you know, couple clicks of a button in a few seconds. So it's really hard to produce patience. And, and I think, I feel like I had a wrong understanding of patience for a very long time. It's, I think a wrong view is it's not like this passive acceptance of current circumstances. Or like maybe you're apathetic or you're just kind of lazy towards what's going on, but you're like, oh, I'm patient, but really you just don't care. Like that's not patience, that's apathy. But patience is, 
a courageous perseverance in the face of suffering and difficulty and hard times. That's what patience is. And patience is the building blocks of so many other things and so many other maturity things that the Lord wants to develop in us, but patience is kind of that bedrock that he wants to develop in us. So how do we how do we learn patience? How do we learn endurance? How do we learn these things? We must go through the trials. You can't learn these things by reading a book. A book on patience isn't going to teach you to be patient. Listening to a sermon, like right now, is not going to teach you patience or endurance. You have to go through the experience. You have to go through the trial where you're actually physically fleshing it out in your life. You must go through that experiential aspect of life to understand or to develop that patience in your life. So we must understand and trust the Lord that our trials are for our betterment, that they're to make us better. And God will fulfill his purpose in us if we trust him. You see, an understanding mind is powerful. The enemy can defeat an ignorant believer, but he cannot overcome the one who knows their Bible and understands the purposes of God in their life and trusts the God to take them through that. So the third imperative verb tonight is let. And the character trait associated with that is a surrendered will. This comes out of verse 4 and 9 through 11. It says, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat heat, and withers the grass. Its flowers falls, its flower falls, and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. You see, God cannot continue to build and develop our character if we are not willing to cooperate with him. He can't do it on our, he can't do it himself. We often say that God is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself to force something on you. He wants your cooperation. So if we resist him and we are unwilling to be developed by him, then he can do nothing with us because we are holding him back. So we must surrender our will to him and allow him to develop us. But once we allow the Lord to develop us, he's not going to do a halfway job, right? He's going to continue to develop us and continue to develop us. And just like an artist isn't satisfied until he finishes his masterpiece. So God wants to produce maturity in us. So I'm going to talk about Scout again. She's really cute. I love her a lot. And oftentimes, Bethany and other people, and even myself, this, this happened, I think, at the booth the other day. It's funny. You know, we look at her, she's, she's so cute. And we're like, can you just stay like this forever? 
Like she's got the perfect chubby little cheeks. She's got chubby thighs. She's got like her cute little laugh, her little smile. It's so fun to see her grow. But then we're like, can you just stay like this? But just imagine if Scott was 20 years old <laughs> and she was still 20, 22 pounds, two foot nothing, or whatever she, I don't know how tall she is. <clears throat> That'd be weird, right? Now here's my 20 year old daughter, right? She still babbles. And, like, there would be something wrong with that, right? Growth and maturity is a very right thing. So there would be something really wrong if she wasn't growing and maturing. So maturity is great. It's, it's good for us. Paul outlines three things that are involved in a complete Christian life. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, we read this last week, we'll read it again. It says, for by, God, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. For not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ, Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So there are three things that are involved in a complete Christian life. So the first one is, is that there is the work that the Lord did for us which is salvation. So Jesus created, he completed the work on the cross so that we could be redeemed, so that we can be reconciled back to him. And if we trust him, then we will be saved. And then the second thing is that the work that he, that he will do in us. This verse says, uh, in this chunk it says, for we are, we are his workmanship. This is the idea of sanctification. See, God is building our character so that we become more and more like Jesus. And then the last one is what God wants to do through us, which is service. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. So it's what he does for us, what he does in us, and what he does through us. He must work in us before he is able to work through us. And it takes a willingness on our part, and it takes a surrendered will for that to happen. 9 through 11, about the poor and the rich. It's a, it's a really interesting issue that James will bring up again as he talks about not showing favoritism. Uh, I think the important thing here is that God's testings have a way of leveling us. We are all man. Whether we're rich or poor, we all go through trials. So, but if we, if we are in the Lord, we must rely on the Lord to take us through those trials. So if we're rich or if we're poor, it's the same thing that we cling on to get through the trial. It's not our material resources that take us through the trial, but it's our spiritual resources. Our last imperative verb is ask. A believing heart is a character trait. And this comes out of five through eight. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. <clears throat> Sorry. 
But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For the person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. We are to ask God for wisdom. It's been said that knowledge is the ability to take something apart, while wisdom is the ability to put it back together. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. We've probably all met very well-educated fools, right? Knowledge does not equal wisdom. So why should we ask for wisdom through trials? Why not strength? Why not grace? Why not just ask for deliverance through the trial? It's because we need wisdom so that we will not waste the opportunities that God is giving us to mature. Wisdom allows us to understand that the circumstances that we are going through are for our good and for God's glory. James tells us what we are to ask for, which is wisdom. But he also tells us how we are to ask for it, and that's with faith. God wants to give it to us. It says that he gives it to us generously without reproach, which I needed to look that up. And that means that he gives it without rebuking or scolding us, that he doesn't look down on us because we don't have the wisdom to go through it, but that he willingly gives it to us if we, are asking, if we ask and we ask in faith. He doesn't look down and be like, you fool. He wants to give that gift. He wants to give that wisdom to us. But we are not to doubt that it's going to happen. Right? He says to not doubt. And if that happens, then we are like a wave. We'll be up and down. And he says that that person is double-minded. It's like an oscillating pendulum thing on a godfather clock. Or grandfather clock. Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, you're just oscillating back between trusting in the Lord, trusting in your own strength, trusting in the Lord, trusting in the world. Right? You're just going back and forth. You're double-minded. You can't stay faithful to the Lord. And I think it's really interesting because that lifestyle is the complete opposite of somebody who is steadfast, which is what the very beginning of the whole chapter was about. Okay, we're going to read the last verse, chapter, or verse 12. <laughs> Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. We are blessed when we remain steadfast through the Lord and we receive a crown. What does that mean? It's, this is like, it's, it's like athletic, it's like an athletic analogy. Like think of uh, the Olympics. It's like you're given a medal because you, you've won. Paul does this a lot. He, there's the phrases of like run the race and all these things. They, they'll use athletic, like race lingo so what are we rewarded with? It says that we're rewarded with a crown of life. What does that mean? It, it actually has nothing to do with salvation. Uh, but what it means 
is that we are to grow in our, in our Christian character. But the thing is, it's the trial first, then the reward. We have to go through the trial and remain steadfast, and then we receive the crown. So if the band wants to come up, I think the, the last section of this verse, it says that God promises this to those who love him. It doesn't say those that obey him or those that trust him. And I think the importance of this is because love is the is like the foundational building block of all those other things. And it's also the, the motivation, love is the motivation behind those four imperative statements that we've looked at, looked at tonight. If we are to have a joyful attitude during trials, that's because we love God and He loves us. If we are to have an understanding mind, that's because He loves us and He gives us truth, and we love Him in return. If we are to have a surrendered will, it's because we love Him and we know that He is good for us. And if we are to have a believing heart, that's because love and faith go together. And when you love somebody, you wouldn't hesitate to ask them for help. Love will keep us faithful to the Lord. I really like verse 4. We've read it. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Bible, which is a different translation, but it kind of expounds on things. It says, And let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. If we want to become completely developed and lacking in nothing, we must count, know, let, and ask through our love for Christ. If we allow the Lord to develop us and allow Him to grow our character, especially in these four character traits that we've talked about, I really do believe that we can be victorious in our reliance on the Lord through the trials. So I'm going to pray and just sing one last song and I just I say you just reflect on what the Lord is, is speaking to you tonight. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for, for tonight, Jesus, and your word, Lord. Lord, I pray that uh, you would just, you would stay at the center of our lives, Jesus. No matter the, the experience that we're going through, whether that's the mountaintop or the valley low, Jesus, that you would remain constant in our heart at the center, Jesus. But I pray that, that we would just have a joyful attitude through the trials, Lord. And, and all these other things, are that you just continue to develop those in our hearts, Jesus. And that we would look to you, and that you would give us wisdom, Jesus. Give us strength. Give us, give us the ability to walk with you daily, Jesus. We love you, Lord. It's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen.